Good evening. I'd like to call this special call board meeting of the Williamson County School District to order. Uh, we'll start with the Pledge of Allegiance and a moment of silence. And please rise. Our deputy, Ron Hooper, will lead us in the pledge. Mr. Hooper, thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Board members, would you please record your attendance? Uh, those of you who are here, please record attendance on your devices. And we have one board member attending remotely. Mr. Welch? I'm present. Thank you. Thank you, board members. We now move to items of, of particular public interest, which is our public comment part of the meeting. Um, and I also, before we move, move on there, I want to welcome Ken Young of Berger, Mosley and Carson, who is serving as our attorney tonight. Mr. Young, thank you. Um, per school board policy 1.403, uh, public comment is limited to the business related to the call of this meeting and the details related to the agenda items discussed or transacted by the board at a special meeting. So that's different than our monthly general meetings. At those, people can speak on any topic, but tonight the remarks need to pertain to the topic at hand. Um, we have eight speakers signed up, and so since we have less than 10, speakers will have three minutes apiece to speak. So please prepare your remarks accordingly. Um, and we ask you to please not approach the well or speak out during the meeting or during anyone else's remarks. So our, our first speaker um, is Justin Canoe. Mr. Canoe? No? Okay. Our second speaker is Gary Chapman. Thank you. Governance, startup plan, personnel, insurance, transportation, food service, and waivers. The Williamson County Schools Review Committee scored does not meet in all of these seven sections of our charter application. Yet one week ago, Sumner County's Review Committee using the same rubric for the same answers scored partially meets or fully meets in all seven sections. This shows that the scoring is at best subjective. That process does not force a rubber stamp into your hands. The parents in this room are hoping that the people they elected can still vote for themselves based on what their hearts tell them. You have the power to judge this yourselves based on all the facts. I've been in this county 
for most of my adult life. Moved here when I was 19. It means a lot to me. My wife and I adopted a little girl nine years ago. She's a special needs kid. And she couldn't possibly be more happier than she is at Oakview Elementary. It's an, we moved where we are because that school is so great. So I got, I'm, I got, I'm a public school kid. Where I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Texas, your school choice was are you going or are you not? <laughs> but this is different. And this little girl has changed my thoughts on it. There's too many special circumstances for this one size to fit. There needs to be more options. Founders Classical Academy should be approved. The parents of Williamson County, the 300 voting families that have engaged with this school should have the freedom to do what they think is best for their kids. We appreciate your consideration. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Michael Miller. Good evening. This charter school application under consideration is a failure in its merits. Special education students require and deserve full-time, highly skilled professionals like we already have in WCS, not some contract workers. Further, any school that is free to discriminate on grounds of religious or sexual affiliation, as was highlighted in some of the reviews of this application, should not be permitted to receive public education funds. Beyond those key disqualifiers, in the text, the school shows how inextricably linked it is to, to Moms for Liberty, the very organization who spent the last two years terrorizing our teachers, parents, and this board. Their classical education programming is doublespeak for whitewashing the truth. Public education dollars should not be utilized to reinforce their untruthful messages to protect their shame of the truths of the past. A community that does not learn from its past is destined to go in circles. WCS is the crown jewel, the golden goose of this community. I moved here for it. Yet, like so many school districts around the nation, we are enduring a shortage of teachers due to both attrition and a low level of attractiveness of the teaching profession. Our teachers are leaving, in large part because of the toxic atmosphere wrought by the actions of M4L and similar organizations who believe a parent should pre-approve every single word he or she utters in class. It's a ridiculous notion. This lack of respect is also why many are no longer choosing teaching as a profession. I know I wouldn't choose a profession if I was gonna be scrutinized to every word I said. Most parents like myself trust our children's teachers. We are comfortable explaining things to our children when they have questions about things they hear in class. And our teachers listen to us when we have concerns. I've never had that problem here in WCS. And my kids are now entering seventh grade. Your votes as a board must reflect the reality not those of vocal special, special interest groups who spew mistruths. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mitch Imhoff. Good evening. Uh, I think it's important to start by saying uh, as a uh, board member for Founders Classical Academy, one of multiple local board members, um, that I take exception to any comments about 
religion being an emphasis of the school. I'm a Jewish man, so unless we're going to have Hebrew doled out to everybody, I don't think we're going to be teaching religion here. Um, but let me, let me get serious for a minute. The, uh, you know, the Williamson County schools are great schools. Um, everybody said that so far, and it's true. My kids went to the Williamson County schools in the early 2000s, and we had a great experience. But this is a different time. We have COVID fallout, we have societal strife, we have division on curriculums, and now more than ever, parents want a choice. You know, uh, WCS uh, Review Committee approved us on the academic front. I can't think of anything uh, that, that this school system does better than the academics, what I'd consider the best district in the state, and yet we were approved on the academic side, which is the key piece. You know, you never have a 100% sure thing. I mean, that's just not part of life. And of course, once we're approved, we're gonna be able to get uh, a, a facility. We have 90 facilities identified and have had a lot of conversations, but you don't sign a lease until you have approval. It just doesn't work that way. And I'm in business, I, I understand. Same thing with funding. There are plenty of donors who I've talked to and who Founders Classical has traditionally brought forward to get the school opened and running. It's been the case for the 20 schools that, that have been in place, and they've all stayed successful and operated uh, ongoing. But there are some things that you can't get finished until you get started. And I will tell you that these parents and this board will not let this fail. So I ask you to vote yes for Founders Classical Academy and keep the oversight local right here in Williamson County. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jessica Bell. Good evening, board members, committee, and attendees. Thank you for the opportunity to comment on the decision on Founders Classical Charter. I am speaking to you as a parent whose children are no longer in the public system. After moving to Williamson County, less than two months in, we withdrew, and with it, our involvement in both time and financial support. However, our basic education program funding did not move with our family, nor was it designated for Williamson County Schools. Rather, it was directed back to the state. Instead, we pay taxes for public education and private, private, again, privately for an education where we can be better served, one that appeals to many and sits before you today. Like most parents, I strive to ensure optimal health, safety, and learning opportunity for my children. During these past few years, parents' voices have been silenced, politicized teachers' unions have created a nightmare, and eroded confidence in the system. The status quo will no longer suffice. I understand that stepping into new can be daunting. However, operating from a place of fear and insufficiency produces inferior results every time. If we listen, what we know to be true is that a rising tide lifts all boats. It is time to put students over systems. I urge you to create an on-ramp for the families and enthusiastic teachers back to the public setting and create choice in education and vote yes for founders. Thank you. Our next speaker is Amanda Miller.
Hey, y'all. I'm Amanda Miller. Um, I've lived in Brentwood since 2007 or 8 before kids and moved there for a purpose of having a choice and raising my kids in Williamson County School. After last year, I decided to remove them from Williamson County and make my own decisions with the hus our husband and I, or our Jared and I, and we just all need choices. And, you know, we love our kids more than you do, and we know what's best for them. And I'm all in for flounders. So I hope you make the right decision for our children. Thank you. Our next speaker is Laura Brugnoni. Hi, I've never been to a school board meeting before and I've certainly never spoken at one. This is kind of reminding me of the brig at Starship Enterprise, so I'm feeling... <laughs> but um, anyway, um, my name is Laura Brugnoni and um, we are fairly new residents to Williamson County. We moved here about a year and a half ago and we love it here so much, we really do. Um, one of the main reasons we did move, I have two children, to Williamson County is because of the fantastic public education that you guys offer here, and it is wonderful. My daughter goes to Page High School, she loves it, and I have a four-year-old. So um, I just wanted to speak to you because, to make sure you recognize that, as other people have said already, uh, that education is not a one-size-fits-all and I am a big supporter and believer in school choice and educational diversity. I think it's great to have choice. And to that end, I would be thrilled as a parent for, to have the option like Founders Classical Academy that offers a more traditional approach. And, and I heard the other gentleman and he doesn't like it and I understand that everyone has their own opinion and, but he says his kids don't have to go there. I'm just talking about choice. and. Um, I understand the committee has determined that Founders has met their educational um, standards, which is great, and I think that's the most important thing, is the educational standards are being met. And the problem was the operational. That's my understanding from what I've been reading and stuff. So, and again, from what I understand, Responsive Ed, which would be handling it, has a 10-year track record, and they have 90 schools that are very successful and they have 21 that are Founders um, Classical Academies, and you don't have to worry, because I think they really know what they're doing. And it seems like it is a catch-22, as I think Mitch mentioned, about getting the approval for um, the building and the, and the land and stuff. Um, you're worried about that, but we can't move forward with, with those decisions until we have your approval. So it kind of does feel like a catch-22 there. Um, also, it was my understanding that Sumner County did okay or partially okay a lot of the things that this board has not, and it does feel inconsistent. And so I'm hoping you'll, you'll reconsider because I would imagine the state standards are the same for all the counties. However, I don't know, I'm kind of new here, so maybe it's different in Tennessee. Um, I also hope that you will consider voting yes because personally as a parent and just as a sense of community, I would really like it to be local oversight. I don't want it to go to the state. I think it would just elevate the community if all the decisions that were made were made by the people who all live and work and learn together. Um, I just, I'm gonna read this part to ask you to please reconsider 
to vote to approve. You have the power to add Founders Classical Academy Hi. as an additional high quality academic your choice. Time is up. Thank okay, you. thanks. Our next speaker is Scott Hutcher. Can you guys see me? Do I need a stool or? No? <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. Um, <clears throat> I was here last time. My name's Scott Kutcher. We've been here for a while. We, you know, had our kids were going to public school. We pulled them out. And the reason we pulled them out is because we need a choice. We, it does feel like one size fits all. A monopoly is never good in business or education or anything else. When you have a monopoly, you don't have choice. And that lack of choice means that now someone that has special needs, which I'm in the same boat as him, I got a, an eight-year-old son that's super high energy, I mean, hard to handle, but amazing child. And this child just needs an atmosphere to flourish. And we've tried it inside this. It doesn't work. You can't handle him. Founders can. I've done deep research on them. I've done a deep dive. I'm not going to just trust anyone with my child. And I'm telling you, part of what I do for a living is make brands significant. So I'm pretty good at the sociological side of it, too. Okay? And I'm telling you, everything about this feels right. And sometimes you have to look at the educational system as what is going to feed the soul as well as the brain. And you're feeding some souls. It's a great school system. You just can't feed my kid's soul. And so I need that option. And I'm really pleading with you, what is the harm? I've racked my brain. You know, as someone that helps people be competitive in the marketplace, what's the harm? And you know, the way I help people, I think translates well with what you guys want to do. Who do you serve? Why do you want to serve them? Why do they still need to be served? Which is what we're talking about. And then how are you going to do it? You guys are confined. You have too many restrictions that allow you to, that don't allow you to handle children like we have. So let us have that option with someone who's got a proven track record in Florida and all over that they've done it through Texas. And I've talked to families that have special needs that have amazing results. The kids have rebounded. So please, if anything else, just vote because the curriculum meets the standard. The rest is just something we can work out along the way. But let's keep it local. I agree with everyone. Everyone has said that way we can work together to make sure it's done right for this county because we know this is another level. That's why we're here. And we want to make sure that we keep it at that other level. Let's not default it to the state, please. Let's keep it here. And I trust that you'll do the right thing. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Our next speaker is Dylan Vaughn. We'll raise that up a little bit if that's all right. There you go. Thank you all for the opportunity to speak this evening. I'd like to say that um, this is my first time speaking before a school board, and it's good uh, to hear the laughter and the lightheartedness that uh, people of differing opinions can still come together um, over an issue that can sometimes be contentious and gather in a room and have a civil dialogue. But tonight we have heard opinions on a variety of topics, but what I don't want those assembled here to lose sight of in these discussions is the students. 
I graduated from high school in the spring of the past year and I'm excited to continue my educational journey as well as my volunteer work with the County 4-H Club. I've learned from mentoring my younger peers that each individual learns differently and each individual is inspired by varying ideas and concepts. To me, this is why we need choice in schools and an option for classical education, such as the option that Founders would provide to our community. The purpose of Founders is to pr produce mature, responsible citizens out of the next generation. Student growth will not happen unless they have an education that challenges them and fires their imagination. Founders Classical does this by teaching math in a straightforward way, teaches reading through phonics, teaches a complete review of our history, both the good and the bad, and it's taught through original sources as it happened. And there is much, much more involved in the curriculum that would be beneficial to our kids. This type of education will strengthen not only our community, but our state and our nation by, by producing the next generation of leaders with an education that they can reason through whatever brings a challenge to them. And um, I would like to say that Founders Curriculum is up to the test and it will provide our children with the education that they need to lead, to be leaders in our community. This very school board, which prides itself on maintaining one of the finest academic standards in the state, has said that the curriculum meets the criteria, and as many have said tonight, that is the most important thing. If we can hit, if the curriculum meets the standards, then everything else can be worked out after it is, after the charter is approved. So for these reasons, I would ask that Founders Classical Academy be approved. Thank you for your time. Thank you to all of our speakers. I believe that is everyone. Um, and with and let me pass this on to Ms. Glenn. Um, next, we will move on to uh, the superintendent's report. Uh, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, just as a reminder, this is the review of the appeal of the charter application from Founders Classical Academy K-12. Uh, when the board reviewed the original application, we spent some time at the board work session uh, presenting a review of the committee's work. Uh, I would like to likewise do that now, and I've asked uh, Dr. Lee Webb, who's chaired the committee, to give you all a report prior to uh, a motion coming on the floor. So, Dr. Webb. Go ahead. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Golden. Good evening, board. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to present to you the, the work of our committee. And so our intention tonight is to give you a holistic viewpoint of the work that's really been ongoing since February and then where we are with the most recent revisions and the review of those revisions. So I'll get started with just a review of the committee members. This was the uh, review committee that the board approved for the work to, uh, to take place that in, incorporates individuals that have um, somewhat expertise in the three areas, the major domains of the application, which are instruction, operations, and budget, uh, with representatives within the, the school district, within the board, and of, of course, within the community. 
just an overview of the timeline. Um, the founder's application was due uh, to us February 1st. Uh, we got the application just prior to that. So February 4th, we started the process of the initial review. Uh, you can see, and then we, we reviewed the timeline for that initial application review, but brought our findings to you on April the 14th in work session and presented them for, of course, that April 18th vote. When the application was denied by the board on April the 18th, a denial letter was sent um, to founders and giving them the opportunity to resubmit, which uh, they took advantage of. Ahead of the deadline, we received their revised application to Williamson County Schools on May 26th. This was right around the closure of, of our academic year, um, and so we did pull our committee back together, but coordinating our calendars um, and taking some time to do an initial review, we didn't come back together as a committee until June the 14th. So June 14th, we came back, reviewed the application in full individually and by subcommittee. So the individuals that served on the instructional, on the budget, and the operations subcommittees for the first review uh, met back together starting on June 14th to look at their findings from the initial review and then to review those subsections of the application to go in depth to uh, what founders had resubmitted to us addressing the concerns uh, from the initial review. Um, those individuals submitted out uh, to the full committee their analysis of that work um, and then the committee individuals took between June 29th and last Friday July 15th to review the application once more take into consideration the subcommittee uh, synthesis of the um, of the work taking the rubric into consideration and they did their individual scoring so last Friday of course I submitted to you their findings and a summary of those findings leading us to today so just a reminder of how the application is scored. The same process that was used in the initial review is the same process uh, that we use for the, the review of the revised application. For each of the indicators, and there are 30 total indicators split between instruction, budget, uh, and operations. Of those 30 indicators, each of the committee members uh, reviewed the same correlating section of the application using the state rubric as a guide to whether it met or exceeded the standards of the, of the application by the charter rubric. Did it partially meet the standards displayed in that rubric or did it not meet the standards at all? The committee reviewed all 30 indicators of the application and the rubric, though as a new start, um, as a new start charter application, the new founders is only required to address 24 of those 30 indicators. So you'll see in what I sent to you all in your board packet, that revised uh, look through the lens of just those 24. So based on that, the academic plan and design, if you look at the application, is 1.1 through 1.12, uh, operations in, in sections 2.1 through 2.11, and the financial plan really has two indicators that has one sole vote or one sole score. Uh, 3.1 and 3.2 in the budget um, rubric actually has one score indicator. So you'll see that on the summary that I provided. So reaching the determination for approval or denial by committee is, again, the same process that was utilized for the first review, that was utilized for this review. And the Department of Education and the Charter School Application Scoring Criteria is pretty specific of how a committee should reach that consensus or reach that recommendation to take to the board. So for an application to be deemed ready for approval, the summary rating for all applicable categories, and in this case, there are only three that are applicable, instruction, operations, and budget. 
So in order for us to recommend to you, according to the rubric um, approval, uh, the categories must meet or exceed the standard. So that is the criteria that this committee operated from, again, utilizing the state charter rubric. Uh, there are two policies that kind of guide this work. I uh, just want to remind the board that the committee also reviewed and followed the guidance from state board policy 6.111 and, of course, our local board policy on charter school applications, which is 1.901. So I'm going to go in-depth into each subsection, and then, of course, at the end, I'm uh, happy to answer questions for you. So in the academic plan design and capacity summary, there are several indicators. I have them listed there for you. Since it's small read, I am going to read that out loud to you. Uh, this section of the uh, rubric in the application is the school mission and vision, enrollment summary, academic fo focus and plan, academic performance standards, high school graduation and post-secondary readiness, assessments, school calendar and schedule, special POPs and at-risk students, culture and discipline, recruitment and enrollment, and parent and community engagement. So each of these indicators, each of the 14 members of the committee did an, an independent analysis to determine do they feel like that based on what is indicated in the rubric, uh, the state charter review rubric, did each of those indicators, did the application meet and exceed, partially meet, or, or did it not meet? Based on that of the 14 uh, committee members, nine indicated in the academic section that they felt that it met the expectations outlined by the state. Four indicated that it partially met, and one individual felt it did not meet. Uh, the areas that, that the committee felt were still lacking were really kind of fell into three major categories, which are three categories that lagged from our first review, which there were still some, some aspects of the application that still lagged in its correlation to our state standards, state laws, or implementation in general uh, to Tennessee. Uh, there were still some notes of lack of specifics on the targeted student population, the Williamson County student learning needs, and how they could close achievement gaps for our specific population. Uh, and the last thing was the uh, just some lack of acknowledgement of the Tennessee graduation requirements. There were some of the requirements to graduate in Tennessee that weren't properly noted, um, and the planning was missing to ensure, of course, that those standards would be met. However, based on this section as a whole, which is the charge of the committee, the committee as a whole felt like that the uh, this section this revised section did meet the minimum standard of the charter application rubric. The revised application, just to give you an idea of the amount of depth that the committee reviewed on behalf of founders, there were over 150 additional pages of the application that were submitted in this revision um, in comparison to the first round, and a majority of that work and that content was in this section. Um, so uh, we're especially thankful for our committee doing an in-depth analysis of that, especially our academic subcommittee that we feel like did an adequate, of course, and uh, appropriate review of that content. Uh, were there still aspects that didn't meet or just partially met in this uh, section? Yes. However, as a whole, the, the committee felt like that the minimum standards outlined in the academic portion were met. The next uh, section of the application was operations, plan, and capacity. In this area, the indicators are governance, uh, the startup plan, financial uh, facilities, rather, um, personnel and human capital, professional development, insurance, transportation, food services, additional operations, and waivers. In this uh, area of the, uh, this section 
of the application, the 14 members of the committee, 12 of them felt that the minimum standard was not met by the rubric. Two of them felt like they were partially met, and none of the 14 committee members felt like that it met or exceeded the expectation. The general feedback, just to classify the feedback from the committee on this section, the plan in general lacks specifics in some sections and or attachments. Um, there was a lack of defined facility space for the need of the school and activities. Uh, heavy reliance on philanthropy to solve uh, facility shortfalls. Um, no reliable, robust transportation, food service, nursing, IT or network plans. Fallback facility lo locations uh, didn't appear to be adequate for the scope of the school plan and emissions or confusion within the non-discriminatory statements. Overall, the committee, based on the state criteria of ensuring that um, that it met or exceeded this group uh, for this section, uh, uh, landed on does not meet the standard based on 12 individuals scoring it as does not meet and two that it partially met. The third section and the final section for review is the financial planning capacity with really only two indicators and again this is the smallest section of the application uh, charter a school financing and network financial plan the smallest section of review I guess I would say only one indicator um, plus a summary indicator was um, in the rubric for review of this section so of those of the the 14 individuals on the committee upon review eight individuals believe that the uh, this section partially met the state standards as outlined in the rubric and six believed that it did not the general feedback from this section of the committee based on the 14 rubrics is that there is improvement in the budget detail that was offered compared to the first um, submission, but the timing of the cash flow is insufficient, making it hard to see how they can support their financial needs. No source of philanthropy was identified to fund the financial gaps. Uh, the budget for textbooks, instructional materials, and contracted services seem to be lacking to meet the IEP or special, ed special education population. That area was too low. Responsive Ed will be the charter management organization as indicated throughout the application. Financial statements were included which demonstrate a, a strong financial position in Texas and Arkansas but still left questions for Tennessee. Uh, the budget appeared incomplete and missing detail required for the in-depth evaluation as prescribed by the rubric. And again, we're using the state rubric, not individual personal opinion in the evaluation. And the in comparison to the application to the rubric, there were many sections that we couldn't identify from the application, those um, the, from the budget aspect of it. Uh, the facility budget is not realistic. The network budget is vastly lower uh, in comparison to what it would take uh, within Williamson County Schools to offer those, um, those facilities. The interview responses did not resolve the concerns in our initial application review, nor did the follow-up address all of those concerns. And student enrollment, uh, of course, will be a factor in determining if the school would be able to meet the revenue target to fund their expenses since the revenue is based on per student. So overall on this section, uh, holistically, the committee uh, graded this as partially meets the standard based on those individual analyses of the rubric. In the first review, there were some questions um, by a couple of board members just asking, so when you say, Dr. Webb, that there are things that were partially met, well, how close was it? Or can you give us more indication from the rubric? So in this review, we wanted to give you not only each individual's 
uh, score breakdown for this rubric, but just to give you a comparison to the last, because again, there were, were a, an additional 150, 160 additional pages of content for review. So just as a, a comparison, during the first application and the April review, for instruction, as an example, uh, the, the committee determined that it does not meet the standard. There were 11 of the 14 individuals that in their summaries indicated that it did not meet, three indicated partially, and none felt like that it met. However, in the July review and the revised application, only one person indicated it did not meet, four indicated partially, and nine indicated that it met, just in comparison. I'll give you the same for operations. In the first application review, the determination was does not meet. 14 individuals all believed that it did not meet. However, in the July review, 12 believed it did not meet, two indicated partially, zero indicated that it met. The same for the budget in April. The final determination in, um, in April was does not meet. Uh, 13 of the 14 individuals said does not, one said it did meet. In the revised application review for July, the determination for the budget was partially meets. Six individuals says does not, eight indicated partially. Now remember that those are the summary ratings for each of the 14 individuals on the committee. There were 336 individual scores over the course of the full application from those 14 individuals. If you look at it holistically, in the April review, 233 of those indicators was does not meet for the 336 individual scores. 86 were partial, three was meet, 14 was NA. The final recommendation at that time was does not meet the state's criteria for approval or recommendation for approval. In the July review, in comparison, just, just to give you an, uh, a sample of that, there were 132 of the scores, and again, the 24 indicators for the 14 individuals, 132 of those scores of the 336 were do not meet, 107 were partial, 83 were meet, and 14 were NA. So to answer that question that we received at the last review, how many of the individual indicators actually stated meet? That was one of the questions I received. I wanted to be able to answer that question for you in advance today. So of the 336 individual scores, 83 of those were meet, 132 were does not meet. The final recommendation in this application review is does not meet. Um, so again, we go back to the process that's outlined in the application from the Tennessee Department of Education for the charter school review criteria. And, and again, for an application to be deemed ready for approval, the summary rating for all applicable categories must meet or exceed the standard. So in that process, I reviewed with the committee and each individual's um, summary from uh, their individual rubrics with the academic plan indicating meets, the operation plan indicating does not meet, and the financial plan indicating partially meet. Using the state criteria, the recommendation for the overall application for is does not meet the standard. Okay, that takes us back to the front. That is the complete process and review. Uh, I know that we have shared um, the individual rubric scores uh, with you all and the individual rubrics. Uh, I do have both copies of the initial application and the revised application. Um, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them.
Mr. Welch, if you have any questions, if you will please uh, text um, Tim. I appreciate that. Board members, any questions? Any questions for Mr. Welch? Tim? Okay, thank you. All right. Oh. Mr. Brown. So this question is for you, Dr. Webb. Um, can you can you speak to um, the general thought from either yourself or on behalf of the committee as to how any of the items that were deemed to not meet, um, let's just say the academic section, instructional mm -hmm. section, mm -hmm. since overall that got a positive score. Mm -hmm. The committee is willing to say that section gets a positive score, but there's items within that that don't meet. What's the thought behind how those individual items would get remediated, hypothetically, if this if the, if all three sections were to have been recommended, and this were hypothetically to move forward, how do those individual items get remediated as as, as the as the school gets established? Thank you for the question, Mr. Brown. So in our review there, if you look at all of the individual scores for instruction, you'll see that there are, for, for many of our individual rubrics, there are more does not meet and partially meets for instruction than there are meets. So someone could say, well, the math, why would you average that out and say that it meets versus partially meets? But our committee's review is that even those partially meets, they were pretty strong. So it wasn't as if in the academic section, they all were partial and they were on the lower end of the partial. There were many of them that met several aspects of the rubric, but didn't meet all of them. And so overall, holistically, looking at the instructional section, the committee's review is that that it meets because a majority of it does meet the standard of the rubric. As far as the remediation piece of it, if this application had all the other sections, we would still provide feedback to the, to the charter organization to state what those shortcomings are that, the, that our charter committee found, such as a simple example of the graduation requirements uh, not being fully accurate uh, and what the charter would set forth as their expectations to meet the high school credits for graduation. So we would outline those um, and communicate that with the charter application committee or the board um, so that they could address those. And the expectation, of course, would be that they would. Um, for the others, for the operational section and then the budget section, there simply were not enough details provided for the committee to feel comfortable that it met or exceeded, but even to the meet, to the bare minimum of the expectation of the of the application and the rubric, there wasn't enough information for us to, to make that indication that it met. So again, for those sections and with the denial of an application, I would, on behalf of the committee, articulate all of those deficits uh, in written format to return to founders. Thank you. Ms. Apriya? Oh. I'm sorry, Mr. Wimberly. Uh, mine is a point of order question. Is there a reason we're discussing this without a motion? If, if I may, I can answer that from my perspective and then uh, uh, Mr. Young, feel free. Um, we are at the uh, superintendent's report portion of, uh, of the meeting. So on our agenda, we had a superintendent's report scheduled and we have not yet hit the agenda item for the actual vote. Okay, thanks. Ms. Apriya? 
Um, Dr. Webb, could you, I, I've been looking through some of the individual responses and noticing some trends in the comments under, particularly in section one, 1.2, the enrollment summary. So they were talking about the demographics that would be invited to attend the school, things like that. And there were two comments that I noticed across multiple um, committee members. One was um, that they didn't think the demographic would meet the, the number for students with disabilities and um, low-income students. Can you explain what that means? I'm going to scroll to that, and I'm going to reference a rubric, if you don't mind. Okay. One moment. So you're speaking, Mrs. Apriya, specifically to 1.2? Is that yes. your Yes. So the one I have open, I don't even know whose it is. It says um, that the page 16 references that a classical education is needed for families who cannot afford it, but it, the location selected doesn't have a heavy concentration of economically disadvantaged families and no transportation is planned. That was one snippet that had a similar vein to the one I read previously, which said that they weren't maybe accounting for or planning for having enough capacity for students mm -hmm. with disabilities or social, uh, economically disadvantaged students. I just wanted to clarify what all Here. that means. Yes, thank you for the question. So in this section, uh, the reference that Ms. Apriya is making is in the academic section. 1.2 is the enrollment summary. The expectation of the application is that it clearly describes the community in which the school is going to reside and where it's pulling its students. So one of the indications throughout the, the application is that it wanted to offer this education, this method of education and instructional delivery to every student regardless of their, um, of their demographic or where they're from, their social, and, uh, social economic status. Mm -hmm. So in this, in this summary portion of the rubric, it also asked for the rationale for selecting the community for which the school would be located. So in the description of the application of where they would select the school, that those locations didn't match the demographic that it was describing. Got so it. as an example, if, it, if the school is not offering transportation and wants to reside in an area so that a classical education could be provided to um, students that of low socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. the selection of where these um, sites were, were being reviewed for didn't seem to match. Got it. Um, it goes on in that section to also talk about the enrollment summary of demographic charts. Are they complete and contain reasonable enrollment projections? Um, and um, the general feedback, as you noted, that you just read, was that this section of the rubric for some of those individuals partially met the standard rather than fully met for that one of the, that being one of the reasons. Okay. And, and then in the operations in your PowerPoint presentation, the operations section mentioned that there was some omissions or confusion within the non-discrimination statements. Is that related to that or is that something separate since it was in section two? I wondered if you could clarify mm -hmm. that. I can pull the exact line for you, but there was um, a sentence or two that was written in the non-discriminatory student section that was omitted from the, um, the, the employee section of the handbook. Um, and so we did ask some questions in regards to that when we did our um, interview with, with the, the founders uh, team. We also asked some follow-up questions and those questions we felt remained unanswered. Okay. 
And then the last question about section three for finance. Mm -hmm. um, the PowerPoint mentioned that student enrollment will be a factor in determining if the school will meet the revenue target and that the IEP and special ed budget was too low. So um, I, I didn't know, mm -hmm. do they, I, I guess it's iffy because with TISA coming, when this school would potentially open if we approve it, they would fall under the new TISA student-based funding model. And so, um, can you give me some light on what the IEP special ed budget was in comparison to maybe like a percentage of what we have for our mm -hmm. special ed department? Great question, Mr. Priya. I can't give you a specific percentage uh, without putting some calculation to it, but I can speak broadly to it. Just in general, our experience with meeting the needs of our special education population in Williamson County Schools didn't match the, the, the budget that was indicated in the charter application. We felt it that far underestimated the cost and the financial expense of providing a quality special education education uh, to student populations. Um, we just felt like that it that comparatively speaking that it wasn't close to what it would need to be in order to realistically meet the needs of our student population. So that's speaking broadly. I yeah, don't have it calculated fine. to um, to a percentage, but that that's the broad the speak. Mm -hmm. And as a follow up, if the school were to become a part of Williamson County Schools and was not able to provide the services required in a student's IEP and the family entered into due process and the school wasn't able to budget or accommodate that, who would that fall to? If Williamson County Schools, my understanding is, is a, approving the to proving the charter application, we become the LEA for that school. And then ultimately we're responsible for any shortcoming to your question, a due process or a lawsuit, that we're the responsible body um, for the oversight of the functionality of that school. Thank you. Mr. Cash. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Webb. Or, thank you, Madam Chair. Dr. Webb, I have a question. Uh, it goes along with Ms. Apria's question a little bit. Hypothetically, if we approve this um, charter, what would happen if Founders Classical could not raise the additional funds to, for funding of any kind? Um, what would happen if they defaulted and couldn't do that? And uh, you partially gave the answer, but how would, how would we rectify that? Well, to speak broadly, and then I may ask Mr. Golden to fill in any gaps that I may leave out, but to speak broadly, the responsibility if, if the LEA or if we as a governing body approve the application, there is responsibility that falls upon us as a school district or as the LEA uh, to address any shortcomings or to address whether a school needs to remain open or to close. As far as the additional details to the hypothetical, um, it depends on what all those specifics are in my review. Mm -hmm. And then of course I defer to Mr. Golden if he has any additional detail he may want to add. As I read the charter rules in Tennessee, the financial responsibility would be on the, uh, on the charter school. Uh, and whoever else might have committed financially if there's, for example, debt. If a student returns to WCS, then of course we'd have the responsibility for educating them. Thank you. Sir. Dr. Webb, I have one question. Uh, related to, um, it's, it's, we've heard several times that 
um, our, our ratings on the rubric were different than in other counties. Mm -hmm. Was there any expectation in the materials received that ratings county to county should be the same or sh should be similar? Thank you for the question. No, there is no, there's no indication anywhere in the application or in the review process that, you know, there's a, a collaborative nature, nature between districts. It really is um, an independent review by the committee members that this board elected or not, or, or appointed rather, um, to do an independent review of the application in comparison, the Williamson County Schools application in comparison to the Tennessee Charter Scoring Rubric. Um, I haven't been in collaboration or in correspondence with any other school district in regards to their individual applications. This was an independent review of the Williamson County uh, application from founders. Um, of course, though, there could be similarities, and I imagine there probably are if someone's applying to multiple, uh, for multiple school districts, uh, but this was an independent review by the Williamson County Committee. Thank you. Board members, I don't see any additional questions. Let me just give a quick pause because as soon as I say that, somebody will have one. Mr. Welch? No. no questions from Mr. Welch. Okay. Then we're moving on to new business, um, which is um, the, and, and let's make sure we're clear on what this motion is. So I want to make sure that we're clear so that we're all on board. Do we have a motion to approve the recommendation of the committee? Is that the correct motion? Thank you. Mr. Wimberly makes the motion to approve. Is there a second? Ms. Apria seconds. Any discussion, board members? Mr. Welch, any discussion? No, ma'am. No. Okay. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, had the privilege to serve on the committee and uh, and see see this process from from start to finish. And uh, just want to thank Lee and and her team, especially Lee. I, I was I was saying Lee Lee got the closest of uh, of anybody to uh, to reading all 600 pages of the uh, of the application. Um, or that she that she provided us, including everyone's rubrics. So um, I think she had a, a pretty good view. I completely agree with um, with her um, assessment of the of the committee and then the collection of the collective thoughts of the committee. Um, just from my perspective, um, I mean, I I guess I'm the one board member who's already kind of submitted my thoughts on the. Uh, on the application itself, through my through my own scoring of the of the rubric, and I'm going to um, my vote is going to reflect that. Um, I guess I've, I'll provide some insight into into why I believe the um, the I, I was partially met um, the financial and the operating. Um, I think one of the one of the speakers kind of spoke to to some of the operating deficiencies. Um, in my opinion, the the sum of the the sum of the parts, you know, might be might be slightly different. But at the end of the day, my my hesitancy to approve the the financial piece was was the deciding factor from from my perspective, and and it really came down to to the fact that as a standalone entity. 
um, there was there's no financial backing behind um, behind Founders Classical Academy itself. So there is a there's a contractual relationship with a with a vendor in Responsive Ed, and the vendor itself, Responsive Ed, has a very impressive balance sheet, and they provided the the financials, um, but they didn't pledge any any support um, to the to the school itself. They I felt they could have. Um, I don't know if they will. Um, and so, if there's if fundraising, they 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 say they're they're saying they need to raise a million three. Um, my my history tells me um, in starting up a business that that those numbers are are always low, which is understandable. Um, and if they had the financial backing of an existing um, organization that that was committed to make this work. Um, and not just getting paid to to manage the process, I think that would it would have made a big difference in in my mind. Um, there were there were lots of, I think Lee said it, just because we it was possible to say meets the the overall section or even the overall application and still have still have areas of of deficiency, recognizing that um, each item can can be deficient and there can be some remediation. I just don't know how to remediate this one. Um, if they if if they don't raise the money, um, then there's no. I mean, they said that they that they would go out and get a loan, but they haven't secured that. Um, they didn't have any any details regarding um, regarding a commitment from any financial institution to to lend them a million dollars if they are a half a million dollars if they're if they're behind and short and given the given the time frame that has to happen i i really just couldn't uh, i mean that was that was ultimately the 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 deal that that none of the other i think there there were lots of little little deficiencies here and there that was the biggest one that i can't get over thank you board members any other comments or questions We're getting there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Um, let me ask again, does Mr. Welch have anything? Okay. And if not, do we have a staff recommendation, Mr. Golden? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I do recommend that you approve the recommendation of the Charter Review Committee to deny the amended application of uh, Founders Classical Academy. And Mr. Young, will you state what a, what a yes vote is and what a no vote is on this, please, right. for the record? A yes vote is saying that you approve the committee's recommendation to deny the application. Um, a no vote is stating that you uh, want the application to be approved. Board members, please cast your votes. And I'll ask Mr. Welch for your vote, please. Yes. Mr. Welch votes yes. Your vote is nine yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. So with that vote, the, the application is denied 
and this meeting is adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>